This morning we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 5 as we focus on verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so to help us think about this, we'll also be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called Children of God, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So now I will turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Amen. We thank God for his word. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, what is our only hope? It is Jesus. Right now we pray that King Jesus would be magnified in each one of our lives. We ask that you would not leave us to ourself as we come to your word, that you would speak by the power of your word and by your spirit. We pray all this in his name. Amen. In 1982, the Los Angeles Times wrote a story about a lady named Anna May Panica. Mrs. Panica was born blind and for 62 years of her life, She could not see a thing. However, in 1981, that would all change. Mrs. Panica underwent surgery to have the rare congenital cataracts removed from the lens of her left eye. That surgery would prove successful. And at the grand age of 62, Mrs. Panica could see for the first time in her life. 
From that day onwards, Mrs. Panika lived every single day with eager expectation of wakening up to splash her eyes with water, to put her glasses on and see human beings, sunlight, stunning sunsets, beautiful birds, and much, much more. Physical sight is a wonderful thing. Mrs. Panika, if she were here today, she would testify to that. But we don't need her here today and her testimony because we know that physical sight is a wonderful thing, don't we? I mean, seeing God's world is absolutely brilliant. But seeing God is even better. Oh yes, physical sight is a wonderful thing, but it's not the best thing. Seeing God's world, yes, it's absolutely brilliant, but seeing God is even better. I mean, think about who God is. Do you ever think about that? As you go about your day, as you sit in the morning with a cup of coffee at the table, as you go for a walk, as you drive to work, as you lay your head on your pillow at night, who is God? He is the only living and true God. He is infinite in being and perfection. He is eternal. He is almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute. He works all things for his own good and for his own glory. He is most loving, most gracious, most merciful, most long-suffering, He is abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. In and of himself, he alone is absolute. In him, all glory, all blessedness, all goodness, and life. There is nothing, absolutely nothing greater than seeing God. For when we pass from this world into the next, beholding him, all the accumulated joys of this world, including sight, physical sight, at the grand old age of 62, they will peel in comparison. Physical sight is a wonderful thing, but it's not the best thing. Physical sight is a wonderful thing, but spiritual sight is the best thing. The question is, how? How does one gain spiritual sight? How does one see God? Well, that's what Jesus deals with in Matthew chapter five, verse eight. You see, Jesus, up until this point in Matthew's gospel, he's been going around Galilee and he's been teaching in many synagogues and his fame has spread all the way to Syria People have been coming as far as Syria to hear and be healed by Jesus. And in light of his escalating ministry, Jesus, he sits down on a mountain hill. And in in that customary teaching posture of a rabbi, he sits and he begins to teach. And his teaching is dominated by one major theme, the kingdom of God. 
You see, Jesus in Matthew's gospel is presented as the end time Davidic king, the one who has come to establish the everlasting rule of God by ushering a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to worship him. But if people are to worship him, if people are to follow him, well, they need to know what that looks like and what that means, don't they? I mean, if they're going to follow King Jesus, if they're going to live in his kingdom, well, they need to know what that means and looks like. And so Jesus begins to teach. He begins to tell them what it means to live life in his kingdom. And the question in Matthew 5, 8 is this. How does a kingdom citizen see God? And Jesus says, by being pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to see God, you must be pure in heart. Now, when we think of purity, perhaps we think it is the opposite from impurity. Perhaps we, we think it has got something to do with cleanliness. That's certainly one idea in which the Bible tells us that purity is all about. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, he looked forward to that day when God would cleanse the hearts of his people. Pure in heart could mean clean in heart. But what Jesus is getting at here is not so much cleanliness, but singleness. I once heard a story about two baseball players, um, one named Hank Aaron and the other named Yogi Berra. Hank Aaron played for the Milwaukee Braves and Yogi Berra played for the New York Yankees. And the story goes like this. Hank Aaron, he was walking out to bat and Yogi Berra, he wanted to do a bit of slabbering. So what did he do? Well, he shouted, big man, little stick. Big man, little stick. Hank, they tell me you're so illiterate, so illiterate that you can't even read the writing on your bat. Well, Hank Arney, he tightens his grip on that bat. The pitcher throws one. Hank Arn, swing, miss, strike one. As you could imagine, it only escalates the slavering. Big man, little stick. Big man, little stick. They tell me you're so illiterate, so illiterate that you can't even read the writing on your bat. Well, Hank Arn. Tightens his grip. The pitcher throws one. This time, he hits it, and he knocks it out of the park. Hank Aaron, he rounds base one. He rounds base two. He rounds base three. Comes back, he scores his home run, and he goes to walk back to the dugout. But as he does that, he stops, and he shouts, Yogi, I ain't come here to read. There was a man clear on his purpose. There was a single-minded man, focused, absorbed, concentrated, pure. He only had one thing in mind and didn't let the chatter get to him. Jesus says that we are to be like that, focused, absorbed, concentrated, single-minded, not allowing anything else to get in here that might divide our hearts from worshiping him. That is what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. We are to be single in heart. 
Often we think about the heart. We think of this muscle that's inside of us that beats and pumps oxygenated blood around our bodies. But when the Bible talks about the heart, it's getting at something completely different. The heart is the the total person. It is the core of our personality. One man says it is the total man. The Bible connects the heart to our wills, our desires, to our conscience, to every part of us. And so when Jesus is talking about being pure in heart, he's talking about being single in the whole person. Every part of you, every aspect of you, your heart, your mind, your will, your desires, your feelings, your emotions, every part of you, one, all brought together into one undivided reality. Really, these words, they're echoing Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, the Caleb read earlier. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, one undivided God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. One undivided God wants one undivided worshiper. I wonder, is that you this morning? Are you one undivided worshiper? As you think about this past week, the month so far, the year so far, are you someone who is one, every part of you, every aspect of you brought together into one undivided reality to worship him? Now, I think this passage is really important for us this morning. I mean, here we are at Rich Hill Presbyterian Church, a church that is full of gospel activity. I mean, look at the the sheet, activity after activity after activity after activity. And praise God for all of the gospel activity that goes on in this church. Praise God for all the different ways and means in which Jesus is made known. But friends, could it be that we are actively hot and yet in our hearts, cold, very, very cold? I mean, individually, we are in lots of programs But are we in the Bible throughout the week? Oh, we love coming to the midweek prayer meeting. But are we on our knees praying at home Monday to Sunday? Oh, we we love running from that event to this event. But do we love to run to the person who is suffering to sit and listen and pray? Oh, we we love to be in the programs telling young people that Jesus is Lord. But is he Lord of your life, your words, your actions, your desires, your feelings? Uh, Corporately as a congregation, lots goes on in here in these four walls. It's, It's great. But what about outside of these four walls? When we're scattered, Are we representing him in the classroom, in the staff room, in the the, the hospital corridors, the university halls, in the van, in the ambulance, 
and on the phone. You know, Matthew 23, a chapter that parallels Matthew 25 and Matthew, or Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, there's blessed, 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 blessed. In Matthew 23, woe, 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 woe. In Matthew 5, Jesus, he speaks to the, the crowds and the disciples. In Matthew 23, Jesus speaks to the crowds and the disciples. But unlike Matthew 5, in Matthew 23, Jesus gives an example of what it means to be impure in heart divided in heart. And he doesn't talk about the tax collectors. He doesn't talk about women caught in adultery. No, he talks about the religious leaders of his day. People that were full of activity. What was their activity? In Matthew 23, verses two and three, Jesus says, they teach and they preach. That is their activity. But what is Jesus' pronouncement of judgment? Oh, they teach and they preach, but they do not practice what they teach and preach. Oh, they lay it down in great detail that we should love God, but in their hearts, they do not love God. Outward, active. Inward, nothing. You know, it would be a great shame, a great tragedy for us as a church family to come here and be active week in, week out, year in, year out, and yet our hearts to be cold. I'm not saying that we, we stop serving. I'm not saying that we, we, we stop doing activities. Not at all. Praise the Lord for the gospel ministry, for all of the activity that goes on in this church. And perhaps there should be more of it more partnering with people who are seeking to spread the gospel across the world, more teaching, more prayer, more of everything. Why? Because we believe in the risen and ascended Lord Jesus. We believe in the gospel, more of it. But if it's all we have and we have nothing in here, that is a great tragedy. That's devastating. Why is it devastating? Because Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Every part of you, every aspect of you, all brought together into one undivided reality to worship him. Those are the kinds of people that see God. I love what one author said when I was preparing for this. The pure in heart are the single-minded who are free from the tyranny of a divided self. The pure in heart are the single-minded who are free from the tyranny of a divided self. I don't know about you, but I long to be free from the tyranny of a divided self, don't you? I mean, one thing in public, one thing in private. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. I long to be one, pure, single in heart, do you know the only way that we can be single in heart is by having a new heart. And the only way that we can receive that new heart is by coming to Jesus. Only Jesus can give us this new heart for it is through him and his single heartedness in doing the will of his father that led him to the cross where he would take all of our impurity upon himself and then three days later in his glorious resurrection, he would rise and attain 
a heart of purity that we cannot attain in and of ourselves. It is only in Jesus that we can have this new heart, the heart that we need to stand before God. And now that Jesus is seated at the right hand of his Father, he is ascended and he is reigning and he is, a, he is bringing back, he is changing us so that we will have that heart that is undivided, that is free from all impurity. And one day that will be our reality when we stand before him in his presence. See, the person and work that we need to stand before God and behold him in all his glory is the person and work of Jesus Christ. He and he alone is the great purifier. And so, as we conclude this morning, I want to leave us with three things. First, confess. Confess your impurity to Jesus. Perhaps you love serving, but you struggle to read your Bible. Confess it. Perhaps you love reading your Bible. You love to be formed in your mind, but you struggle with praying. Confess it. Perhaps you are a prayer warrior, but you expose yourself to inappropriate things online. Confess it. Perhaps you're someone who watches vigilantly what goes in, but with your tongue, you gossip. Confess it. Perhaps you speak really well of people. That's not an issue for you. You love to encourage others, but perhaps you're harboring bitterness in your heart towards someone who has wronged you. Confess it. Perhaps you're a person who loves to forgive others. In the Lord's grace, you find that easy. But perhaps you struggle to serve. Confess it. Confess whatever your impurity is. And as you confess it, cast. Cast yourself onto Jesus, the great purifier. Come to him in prayer. Ask to have your impurity forgiven and ask for him to make you pure in heart, to take whatever it is and to make you someone who is not divided but undivided. All of you brought into one to worship him. You know, perhaps you're here this morning and you've never, never confessed your sin and cast yourself on Jesus, the great purifier. Perhaps the reason you haven't done that is because you think, you're, you're, I'm too impure. If only you knew the things that I thought, the things that I said, the things that I have done in the past. Perhaps you think of yourself as too impure, too unclean to ever be made right with God. You know the reason why Jesus came? The reason why Jesus came was to purify your unclean heart. Jesus came for people like you. I mean, the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through to verse 14. For the grace of God, in other words, Jesus has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did what? Who gave himself up for us to redeem us from 
all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The reason why Jesus came was for people like you, for people like me, people who are unclean. And so do not think you're, you're too far gone, you're too unclean to come to Jesus. He wants you. It's why he came. And so confess and cast yourself on him if you haven't done so before. Confess, cast, and commit. Commit to a practice this week. Perhaps you struggle with Bible reading. Commit to it. And if you don't know what that looks like or how to go about doing that, there's lots of people here who would love to talk with you after the service and to help you with that. Perhaps you struggle with praying for others. Commit to it this week. Again, if you don't know what that looks like or means, we can help you. Perhaps you struggle with serving. Commit to it. Again, lots of people who would love to, to get you involved in serving. Perhaps you commit, you struggle with building others up. Commit to it. Perhaps you struggle with what you expose yourself to online. Well, commit to ruthlessly cutting that out. And for those two things, it oft, the commitment often begins by telling someone else, hey, I struggle with this. Pray with me. Hold me accountable. Whatever it is, whatever you struggle with, commit to it. Confess, cast, and commit. You know, physical sight is a wonderful thing, but spiritual sight is the best thing. How do we come to seeing God and beholding Him? It's by having a pure heart, single, undivided, every part of us. How is that possible? It's not in and of ourselves. It's only through Jesus. And so cast yourself on Him this morning. Receive that clean heart and begin to walk in that cleanliness. May God bless us this week as we seek to be this kind of people. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for King Jesus, the great purifier of our hearts. Lord God, we pray that we would once again confess our impurity to you and cast ourselves onto him. Lord God, we thank you that in his life, death, and resurrection, he has made it possible for us to know you and to one day stand in your presence. Lord, help us to look to him and help us this week to commit to living that life that is characterized by single-heartedness. We ask this all in his name. Amen.